We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my beautiful and glorious friends. Thank you for hanging out with us here today on Empower Radio. Relationships, I think they are the most important thing in the world. Relationships hurt and relationships heal. And I believe, dare I say no, the most important relationship of all is our relationship with God. I read a book last year about this very important relationship called The Shack. It has been said that The Shack is a -a one-of-a-kind invitation to a journey into the very heart of God. It brings intimacy to religion and helps the reader cultivate a personal relationship with the divine. It addresses the age-old question, why bad things have to happen? And it provides solace to suffering. For me, the shack prompted many tears and made me laugh out loud. On more than one occasion, I had to put the book down and meditate on the poetic and prayer-like nature of its wisdom. When I found out the author had written a second book called Crossroads, I immediately bought it, and just like with his first book, I found it impossible to put down. Today, we have the honor and privilege of a conversation with the author of these powerful and amazing books, William Paul Young. William Paul Young was born in Canada, then moved to New Guinea with his missionary parents and his three younger siblings. He was raised among a Stone Age tribe who became his family. He was the first white child and outsider who ever spoke their language and was granted access into their culture and community. His family eventually returned to Canada, where his father pastored a number of churches for various denominations. Paul attended over a dozen schools and eventually completed his undergrad degree in religion at Warner Pacific College in Portland, Oregon. Five years ago, Paul Young was working three jobs when he decided to write a Christian tale of redemption for his children. He printed off 15 copies of his story and gave it to his family and friends. The manuscript was never intended for broad publication, but it caught the eye of two pastors, and together with Paul, they created a publishing company. Today, The Shack is a worldwide phenomenon and has sold over 18 million copies. His new book, Crossroads, tells the story of a ruthless businessman who finds himself in a coma. He then awakens into a dream world and begins a journey to find salvation. So, Paul, I am beyond excited to be hanging out with you here today on Journey to Center. Oh, my gosh. Is this like the Tammy, you know, the actress model Tammy? <laughs> no, it is personally. Yes, I mean, how yes, cool it is. is. This, yes, right? it's so crazy. I'm just sitting in a little room in, in Oregon. So, I'm sitting oh, in a little awesome. room in Idaho, Boise, Idaho, so we're not that far apart. Oh, Boise. Boise. Oh, I love Boise. I know from L.A. Well, yeah, my yeah, professional yeah, 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 life yeah, no, is L.A., but awesome, Boise is yeah. amazing. I found I found God here, so there's nothing well, more important than that from my perspective. You know what? Then it then it actually has earned itself. You know, if, if that's what happened for you, great. Boise has a reason to exist now. <laughs> it has a special <laughs> place in my heart, and uh, you know, this is what I love about you, Paul. You help people find that place in their heart where God resides, and. What is more important than that? To me, again, that is the most important relationship of our lives, and so many people resist it, but your writings, I think, open people's minds to a personal relationship with the divine, and to me, that is a miracle. It it is a miracle, and 
especially since I had no clue what I was really doing. I mean, you you do. I was trying to do something that my wife Kim had asked me to do for a few years, and I write stuff like anybody does, you know, in terms of you, you write stuff for your friends and family, poetry, songs, short stories, whatever. And she had said, you know, someday is a gift for our kids. And we have six kids who are 19 years old to 32, so they're not like little kids. We have five, we have six grandbabies, five and under, which is like the coolest thing ever, and has really reignited Christmas around here. And um, but uh, you know, she had said, you know, put in one place how you think as a gift for our kids, and that's all I was trying to do. 15 copies at Office Depot, and went back to work. So <laughs> all of this is a God thing, and. And, uh, you know, as a pr- probably more surprising to us and our family than to anybody. Nobody saw it coming. It is. It's an astonishing story because so many people want to write books and get out there. And you had no agenda and no intention of that. And, and yeah, it just kind that's, of. That's right. Yeah. You know, a lot of times we're, we're looking for something in order to preserve a sense of identity. You know, something that will give us identity or worth or value or significance or security or meaning or purpose or love or all the things that really matter. And thankfully those things were already in place for me before I wrote this. So I didn't need the shack personally, and I still don't. And if it all went away, I'd be fine. If I was back shipping out soldering tips and cleaning toilets, I would be fine. Well, this is what I get from you. you Yeah. My kids would tell you that. Kim would tell you that. This is what I get from you from listening to your interviews and reading your stories is that you don't have any ego about this. Well, I know where I come from. Um, you know, I'm a religious kid. I grew up a missionary kid and a preacher's kid, as you said. And, and, uh, that, you know, that normally means you have further to go. And, uh, <laughs> so I had a whole lot of issues and damage and, and baggage to work out. And I hurt a lot of people in the process. So, so, you know, part of this is that, you know, where you come from, you, you know, what grace looks like in, you know, that there is a a process in which healing can actually happen, which we didn't know growing up in the church because, you know, anytime somebody's stuff showed up, we just booted them out and, uh, which made everybody want to be transparent and open and honest and all that. And, um, so, you know, when, when you understand, that, um, that grace is embedded in this and that there is a relational God who is good all the time, who is, very much um, relentless in terms of affection and that goodness. It changes everything. And so, you know, even in the midst of the tragedies that we've been experiencing the last few weeks, um, and I'm sure in our own lives, everybody's listening, you know, there is great sadness in this world. So, you know, how, how do you ask those questions? And that's all I was trying to do is ask them on behalf of my kids. Mm-hmm. Well, and, uh, and you did it powerfully. You write in such an exquisitely beautiful fashion. It's like poetry. It's like parable. It's, it's, uh, it's see, and exquisite. see, that's the best word right there. People ask me if the shack is true and I tell them, yeah, it's true. It's just not real. And, uh, and that's parable. Parables are true. They're just not real. And, and, um, and, and the other thing you just said that means something to me personally is that, you know, I love musicians who are good lyricists, and Bruce Coburn out of Canada is one of them. And when I, my kids all know Coburn because, it's, you know, I'm a Canadian who in kind of, uh, what do you do? You, you give your kids the music you know, and um, so they all know Coburn's music. And when I wrote The Shack, my, 
my muse, as it were, was, you know what? I would love to write a book the way Coburn writes a song. So that lyrical quality and that artistic imagery is definitely part of, you know, being around artist type of people who are really good word wordsmiths. And, um, mm. and, a lot, and, and there's a lot of musicians and artists that are like that. I'm very grateful to. Well, you're in that league for sure. All week long, I've been posting quotes from your books. And it's amazing how it just gets to people's hearts. And mm. some of the things you say um, bring tears up. You know, I love this um, quote that I put today on my Facebook page. Transformation without work and pain, without suffering, without a sense of loss is just an illusion of true change. Yeah, we want we want extreme soul makeover, right? You know, <laughs> send me to you know, send me to Disney World and fix me by the time I get back. You know, it's or, appealing, but it doesn't really so. work very well, does it? It you know well, it, it, it thickens our facade. You know, I know well, you talk about dis- having that yeah. facade. Yeah, facades are way easier to repaint. You know, whitewash it and then uh, you know put up something new based on the expectations that you're you're picking up from people outside and. uh but I tell you, real transformation to me, it's, it's one thing to raise the dead. That's biological. It's a whole nother thing to actually have a changed heart and a changed mind. That, you know, a part of this quick fix kind of stuff is because we do not even begin to comprehend the intricacy of the human soul and the incredible beauty of it. And it's, it's a denial of that beauty to say that, well, this is an easy fix. Now, as much as we'd like it and as much as we would rather not go through a process of healing, we'd rather have a quick fix. And and there's nobody who, you know, there's part of the process you just hate um, because it's arduous and it's messy and it involves relationships and they're messy and you have to actually learn how to trust. Uh, who wants to do that? <laughs> you know? it's, it is. It's hard. And we have to get into the core of our shame. And that is really unpleasant. Uh, it is. And shame is, you know, especially for those of us, like like my great sadness involves sexual abuse in, in the tribe and then also in boarding school. And there's nothing that quite rips apart the fabric of a soul um, the way that uh, that kind of abuse does. And shame becomes the dominant motivator and the ocean within which we swim. And shame is incredibly powerful. One of the things that it does is it destroys your ability to distinguish between an observation and a value statement. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me give you an example. When Kim and I were first married, this is the way I say it, she would say these terrible things to me. Well, actually what she said was things like, you know, Paul, don't mix the colors with the whites, right? Because, because of my history and the facade and everything, my sense of the requirement of life was to be perfect. And so anything that violated uh, and confronted me with any imperfection immediately tapped into the shame that really was the underlying reality of my life. Yes. So Kim would say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm making an observation about doing laundry. Don't mix the colors with the white. What I heard her say was, I don't know why I ever married such a loser of a human being as you. Mm-hmm. Because she got close shame to a destroyed. wound. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shame had destroyed my ability to distinguish between an observation and a value statement. It does. It puts on something the opposite of rose-colored glasses. You see everything through this this 
this prescription of hurt and, and guilt and pain and shame. And it's such a painful way to live. It is horrible. And, and it takes a huge amount of energy, just like secrets take a huge amount of energy. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it's, but it seems safer, you know, than exposure. Exposure is just terrifying. So, you know, we stay inside of our, our locked shacks that we don't let anybody in there because we're just terrified. And, um, and shame plays such a huge role in keeping us isolated. And the last thing we want when we feel shame, either consciously or unconsciously, is to be vulnerable, is to be really deeply seen. Because we think if anybody really sees us, they wouldn't like us. They wouldn't love us. Well, isn't, isn't that the trap of secrets, right? Which uh, mm-hmm. secrets are a part of embedded shame. And the, the trap is twofold. One is, I am terrified. If you find out who I am, I will lose the little bits of grace and kindness and affection and approval that I've worked so hard to just scrabble together into my impoverished little corner of the universe. Um, so I'm terrified. But on the other hand, if you actually come to me with the very things that will actually heal my heart, such as kindness and grace and forgiveness, I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't believe you because you don't know the secrets. If you only knew, then you would not be extending kindness and grace. So we're absolutely trapped and we are as sick as the secrets we keep. And it seems often we need to be brought to our knees through pain to get us to even consider going into that shack inside of our hearts. And, yeah, and see, and that's the metaphor of the crossroads, knees. right? That's, mm-hmm. And we're constantly uh, invited into um, some, some deeper sense of self-awareness or asking different questions or better questions or exposing our own hearts. And, and thankfully, you know, um, relationships exist. And and that we're not isolated. Thankfully, we're created in the image of a God who is a relational being, and uh, and therefore relationships at the heart of transformation. And I think that's the difference between crossroads and shack. Fundamentally, is crossroads deals much more with the sense of community being at the center of the transformational process. We cannot do this by ourselves. We just can't. You can't heal yourself. No, it's impossible. You can't mm-hmm. fix yourself. Yep. Yep. So no, I was we, meditating we once, and I heard. I felt, I said, I felt alone. And God said, that's an illusion because we're all one. I was like, I had to sit with that for a while, but it it is, it's, it's powerful notion. We can't heal alone because we're not alone. It's an illusion. We're all one. And, you know, but you know, there's a, there's a sense of us being all one. That is a celebration of what unifies us in our humanity. But Man, we have created so many lies and and divisions and categories um, mm-hmm. within which we then, you know, annihilate one another. That mm-hmm. and there is a side that the reality is is that we have this humanness in common and being, you know, created in common and all of those things, but we don't celebrate it. So a, a lot of times we are alone. We have the sense of being alone. It's not that. The truth is not that we're alone, but the reality is that we're alone. We've created an imagination of being alone. And, we've, and you know, part of the unbelievable grace of God is that God respects us enough to allow us to have our illusions and yes. works within it, just doesn't take them and tear them out of us. Because for some of us, those are the very things that kept us alive as children, yes. are these lies. 
Yes, and, kept us safe, and kept us alive. Mm-hmm. We don't need somebody to come and just rip them out of our hands because we don't have anything else at the moment. And it's, it's an, that's why it's an arduous process and a painful one often. For, for well, and I like what you're saying. It does. It's, it takes our active participation in order to cultivate true transformation. God isn't going to force yeah. himself on us. We have to invite it. Absolutely. And, and, and he's not going to heal us apart from our participation. There's just way too much respect. Well, this is a, a planet of free will and choice, and it is a double-edged sword, it seems. <laughs> oh, uh, absolutely. Look at, you know, look at what's happening in Connecticut or here, right here in Clackamas Town Center. Or, you know, it is a double-edged sword. Uh, I'm working on a piece right now, and I'm going, you know, there is a part of me that just would like God to just stop respecting us so deeply. You know, take away some of this, because we obviously don't know how to relate to each other with kindness and love and grace and respect. And there's a part of me that just wants to go, would you just sort of violate us for our own good? And of course, you know, God's not going to do that. No, um, it's it's a huge honor and a huge privilege and a huge burden. It is. And the the thing about it is that you can't take it. You know, somebody asked Mother Teresa one time, said, you know, here you are and you see the unbelievable inhumanity of man toward each other. And uh, and you see it uh, all the time. How do you how do you deal with that kind of that burden? And she said, I, you know, I don't take it. She said, what I do is what's in front of me. Whatever's in front of me is what I do. And that brings you back to the only place that we can walk our way through this, and that is inside the grace of one day. We, we don't have grace for, for more than one day. We can't solve the problems of the world. But let me tell you, I can relate to the person in front of me with kindness. I can extend my arms and wrap my arm around the leper or talk to the woman at the well that nobody's talking to. Or... I can kneel down and wash the feet of the people who are particularly ticked off at the moment. And, you know, all of those things change the universe. They change the cosmos. And, and they, they are a celebration that life is actually bigger than death. And we live in a world where we have believed the lie that death is bigger than life. Mm-hmm. So beautifully put. I like something else Mother Teresa said. There are no great things, only small things done with great love. And, you know, just bring an open heart to the person that's in front of you. Reside in that place of loving with the person in front yeah. of you. And, well, it's, just, and it's work sometimes. It, it is work. It isn't work. always easy. It's not always easy to see God in the person in front of us. But no. God's in exactly. every one of us. And, 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 this and is, more you see, you more you see that transformational process in your own heart, the, the more able you're, you're able to see that every person who's in front of you is, was once a child. Yes. I mean, they're bringing to the table what they got, and they're bringing what they got because of something. Because there's a reason here, and, and I you love an, an that. And something that really spoke to me about your book, The Shack, and even Crossroads, and your interviews is that your books have found their way into prisons and you said something that blew my mind. Something can happen to a child at six years old that will twist them to the degree that they will become a perpetrator. How deep can we go to find compassion for these wounded children? Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, punishment is not going to resolve anything and we know it inherently. We know that the legal system is, is not a solution system. You know, it's, it's a control system. And not that there isn't a sense that 
you know, there are times where people need to be protected from from their own selves in a sense because of the amount of damage that there is. So, you know, it's a it's a very complex conversation. But, you know, underlying is all of this is some of the reality that you're talking about. Um, the question of forgiveness. I wrote the section on forgiveness in, in the shack from the victim's point of view, from Mackenzie's point of view. And yes. part of the struggle going up the mountain uh, between Papa and Mackenzie, God the Father and Mackenzie, is is that God the Father is saying, look, you need to understand that the perpetrator is also my child. This yes. boy, who for whatever the reasons are, biological, chemical, whatever, decided to take the lives of children, that boy is still loved by God, and God is especially fond of that boy. And... Um, even you know, even the rage against how wrong this is obviously um, so devastating, and um, and the sense of rage is the right response to it because it's wrong. Mm-hmm. We're not designed for this. We're not designed to have our kids taken away from us. We're not designed for that separation. We're not, we're not designed for death and the breakdown of the human body. It's just not the intention. We brought this mess to the table, and somehow God climbs inside of it. So Mackenzie's struggle is. Look, if you're going to be on my side, be on my side. Be hating the perpetrator like I do. You know, it's just so much easier. And and God is saying, no, that is not the reality of, of and the truthfulness of what's going on. Now, you know, I made my 15 copies, went back to work. One of the things I never saw coming is that this book would, like you said, end up in not just in some prisons, it's ripping through prisons, and the perpetrators are reading that same section from their point of view, not the point of view that I wrote it from. And they're hearing God argue with the victims as if they still have some worth and some value. And I tell you, that is just like ripping through the hearts of people who've been incarcerated for their lives. Yes. Such a healing occurs, because who doesn't need to hear that? That God yeah. loves us, that it's personal, that God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost is involved and, and adores us to the core of our being and is involved with the details of our lives. Who doesn't want to know that? Even I know. Those that so, have, you know, made you probably heard the story. I was up in Edmonton at the women's prison, and uh, one of the inmates comes over after I'm done, and she just collapsed in my arms and sobbed, 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 and couldn't even get words out for a while. And there's a bunch of copies of the shack going through the prison. So it, the book has sort of given people a language to have a conversation about God that's not religious. Yes. And finally, between her sobs, she whispers in my ear, do you really think Papa's fond of me? And I'm going, honey, Papa's especially fond of you, because I know that's the truth. And she just bawls, and she just says, you know, that's all I needed to know. That's that's all I needed to know. And I'm thinking, you and me both and the rest of us, that's all we need to know. Because, uh, you know, we're all fighting for a sense of safety and we're all fighting for a sense of value. And, and you know, we're just embedded inside these lies that have just kind of destroyed us from the inside out. And, um, and it's not the truth. There is a relentless affection pursuing us, a God who's good all the time involved in the details of our lives. Yeah. So beautifully put. Oh, wow. Um, yes. And if people could just take that away from this conversation and from your books, 
wouldn't the world be transformed? Yeah, and the world is being transformed. And, you know, and it's in, it's in the details. It's in the choice to forgive. It's in the choice to let something go. It's in the choice to not use language to push death into the, the heart of someone else, especially the, the young and the innocent and the, and the damaged. I mean, it's, it's in the changing of a diaper. It's, it's in the making of a meal. I mean, it's in all these details. Life is embedded in these things. And, and we, you and I, Tammy, you and I, we know that life is bigger than death. We just know it. We know it to the core of our being. And I'm watching more and more people who are coming to the place where they know it too. And, and it is transformational. That's, the hope is in that life, and that life to me has a name. And it all is, you know, God who has joined us in the person of Jesus. And so there we've got it, someone who, who comes as a baby in blood and water and inside of a reality in which within a short period of time there will be women who are weeping because madman Herod decides he doesn't want competition at a political level, so he's going to go after the babies. And you have this juxtaposition inside Christmas of huge loss and the hope of the world. And that's where we are. That's just Christmas. That's where we are. Death is not the end. We will be resurrected. That is the truest truth. That is. That is. And life and is we, bigger than death. Yes, we are adored by a benevolent creator. Yeah, and one who that. one who knows how to be furious and angry at everything that keeps us from being free. It's just that it's, it doesn't come from a punitive, retributive heart. It comes from yes. relentless affection. What an honor and a privilege to have this human experience. It is. And it's an honor and privilege to have spent this time with you, Paul. I am especially fond of you. You are are precious. Just precious. And to my listeners. Oh, thank you. You keep giving me goosebumps. I love this. (laughs) And to my listeners. We have company, that's right. I know your guys' hearts have been touched as well. And Paul, if they want to get a hold of you or get a copy of your book, tell them how they can do that. Oh man, it's it's like everywhere. You can go to Walmart, Costco, <laughs> Barnes and Noble, Walmart, Amazon, whatever. And, and they're they're out there. And if you want to read stuff or see media stuff or whatever, you can go to wmpauljoung.com and it hooks you to Facebook and all that kind of stuff that my grandbabies know more about than I do, and they're all under five years old. So you know, it's, <laughs> I know it's crazy, isn't it? It is wonderful. It's like, well, you know, I love that little picture of that boy in diapers going, he's, he's on the phone, he's going, Grandma, you got it. You got to hit the enter button first. <laughs> I haven't seen that, but it's so true. I love it. <laughs> I Generations do. collide. Uh, well, they do. And it's getting smaller. You know. Yes, it is. It is. It's crazy. So, Sean, thank you for this lovely experience of being a producer. Thank you, Brent Carey, for this forum called Empower. And to my listeners, we are especially fond of you. Take care of yourself grace and God be with you. Open your hearts to receive that. Onward and upward. Love you. Bye for now.